we've been talking around here a lot about the glory of God and this this new realm of God's glory that we're in as a church and as the church on the earth, okay? There are tools that we used to use to measure the glory that will not work any longer, okay? We are being given new tools as the body of Christ to measure the glory of God, even though we know that it can never be measured, okay? Jeremy said something last week. He said, we're moving from seeing the glory of God in the room to seeing the glory of God on people, okay? So a couple of months ago, I did a message on seeing the glory of God and how we can see his glory of what he's doing in a moment, even if it's going unnoticed by the world. But today, I want to talk about how we know when we're experiencing the glory of the enthroned presence of God, when he moves in and inhabits a place, okay? So that we can't, we don't, it's not just that we see him and his glory of what he's doing in a moment, although we want to see that, but it's when the glory of God comes in and invades a place and inhabits it, and then we are forever changed. Okay? So the book of Ezekiel describes this kind of encounter with the glory of God. Okay? It's when the glory of God moved into a place and changed his people's um, understanding of who he was and how he reigned and what was possible. Okay? You guys okay so far? Don't be scared because I said Ezekiel. It's not that intimidating of a book, okay? (laughs) Okay, so the phrase, the glory of the Lord, or the glory of the God of Israel, is used 15 times in the book of, of Ezekiel. It's more than any other book in the Bible. Okay? So the book opens with Ezekiel and himself encountering the glory of God while he was living as, an, as a captive in Babylon. And then God takes him on a journey throughout the whole book to see and describe what it looks like when the glory of the Lord begins to inhabit a place. Okay? Are you guys okay? All right. So... In Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Okay? Ezekiel goes on to describe this vision that he has in all of chapter 1. And he describes things like a storm and fire and wheels and four living creatures and the throne of God and a figure on the throne that had the appearance of the man, of a man and it was he was surrounded by brilliant light and then he ends chapter 1 by saying this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord or Yahweh when i saw it i fell face down And I heard the voice of one speaking, and he said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak. Okay, so Ezekiel saw 
the Lord before he heard the Lord. Okay? The first sign that we are experiencing this this glory of the Lord, this inhabiting glory of the Lord, the first sign that we're experiencing that is that he increases our ability to see. Okay? Ezekiel, um, there was a great, there's a great emphasis on Ezekiel on seeing. Okay? We don't always have to see and hear. Okay, but when God is, is increasing his people's awareness of his glory, he always wants us to see him. He wants to open our eyes to new things because as we see, we know him more. Okay, that, that Hebrew verb that is translated to see or Ezekiel saw is, is a word that means to see in such a way that we know by experience. It's not just a glimpse. It's a I see and I know. Okay? So in Ezekiel's time, uh, the, the, the glory of the Lord lived, it re- he resided in Jerusalem. And he resided inside of the Holy of Holies that was inside the temple that was inside the city of Jerusalem where he sat on the mercy seat enthroned between the cherubim. Okay? And all of Israel would travel for miles and miles and miles to get to Jerusalem multiple times a year because that is where the glory of God dwelled. That was the place where heaven meets earth. Okay, so Ezekiel never expected to see him in Babylon. Okay, God was increasing his ability to see. And the prevailing thought among the people of Israel at this time was, where was God? Because the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, had invaded the city of Jerusalem twice. And he had defeated it twice. And he had carried off all uh, a bunch of people, the king, all the high-ranking officials. He had carried off all of the instruments of worship, all the treasures of the temple, and all of this had happened. And the people were like, where is God? Okay? So for Ezekiel to be in Babylon, carried away captive, living as a defeated people in the city that conquered him, to see a vision of the glory of God on his throne on wheels coming across the miles to come see him in Babylon was something that had never been seen before. Okay? It, God was never seen on his throne outside of the temple. So this was new. So here was God saying, hey, I'm still God, and I can break out of the boxes of your expectation anytime that I want to, and I can increase your ability to see me. Okay? You guys okay? So just when we think we know him, he shows us more. Because he's bigger than we think he is. Okay? Um, the, <laughs> the phrase that they or you may know the Lord, that they may know the Lord, or that you may know the Lord, that phrase is used 72 times in Ezekiel. That is seven times more than any other book in the Bible. He wants us to see him so that we can know him. Because the more we know him, the more we see what he sees. Okay? 
You guys, okay, the more we see him, the more we know him. And the more we know him, the more we see what he sees. Jeremy likes to quote uh, Melvin Earhart, who uh, said to us when we, when we moved on this property, he said, you are not here to be seen, you are here to see. Okay, when the church starts moving from wanting to be seen to wanting to see, we are experiencing the glory of God. (laughs) You can just sit and nap for a minute. (laughs) When a church moves from needing to be seen to wanting to see, we are experiencing the glory of God. All right. Number two, we see an increase in our ability to see. Number two, we see an increase in purity. About a year after Ezekiel's first encounter with the Lord, he had another one. And this time, the Spirit of the Lord came to him and lifted him up in the air and he took him in a vision to the city of Jerusalem. He was still in Babylon, but he took him in a, in a vision to the city of Jerusalem where he saw the glory of God again. This time, it was in the temple. But he started to walk through and show Ezekiel things that were happening inside the temple of the Lord that were uh, terrible things. That, w- that he was saying, hey, because these terrible things are happening, it's driving my glory out of my house. Okay, and he eventually did depart the house of the Lord. Okay, so he showed Ezekiel four things that the people of God were worshiping in the house of God that, were, that, were, that they were worshiping in addition to or rather than Yahweh. Okay? Does that, right. Does that make sense? So compromise had infiltrated their worship and they had forgotten the holiness of God. They had forgotten his, his otherness, his supremeness, and they had reduced Yahweh to an option. Wes had a message a few months ago. What if Jesus was our only option? (laughs) Okay. So it wasn't just that they had built these, these statues to other gods of the nations around them inside the temple. It was also what they were willing to sacrifice on the altar of these other belief systems. And it was also the fact that they had forgotten the holiness, the purity, the awesomeness of God. And not just of God, but of their position as his people. Well, they kept trying to be like all the other nations. They kept trying to do what they do, and they forgot, hey, I set you apart for a reason. I made you holy like I am holy. You're supposed to be different. And you're, you're reducing me to an option to look like everybody else. Okay? Does that make sense? So based on, so 
For the sake of God's holy name, the glory of God, what he was doing is he was showing this to Ezekiel because he said, I'm cleansing the land and I'm restoring it so that I can come back and it be greater than it was before. So I can restore my glory to my people. Okay? So based on the four things mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 8 that had infiltrated the house of God, um, I think I'm going to give you four things today that I think God is exposing in the house of God to bring us to a new level of purity. Okay? And what it means to be his people. Okay? You guys okay? This is, this is not... Um, this is, this is a good thing to expose these things and to, to let God call us, to, to call us into who he actually sees us to be, okay? The glory that's on us as a people, okay? So number one, uh, consumer mentality or what profits me the most. Jeremy said it a couple of weeks ago. God is, is breaking the consumer mentality in the church, okay? Because... The, the, the people of Israel, they were willing to worship Yahweh as long as they could have other options, as long as they could do both. That's a consumer mentality. What is going to profit me the most? I'll just try all this stuff and see what works. Okay? Does that make sense? So when the glory of God begins to purify his house and show his holiness, he is what we want. Okay? <laughs> When, you, when we encounter his holiness, nothing else comes close to that. And we, don't, we stop needing to shop around to find our best deal. Because he is what we want. He's what we're looking for. He is what we need. And we know that in him is everything we will ever want. Okay? That is when the glory of God is purifying a house. Number two. Hidden agreements and lack of accountability, or what lets me get away with the most. So when <laughs> you got quiet, <laughs> so when God was showing Ezekiel uh, the idols in the temple, he he took him to a wall, and there was a hole in the wall, and he said, "Dig in the hole and look behind the wall." And what he found behind the wall was there was a group of leaders inside the temple of God that were in secret, in the dark, together they were worshiping and offering prayers to other gods. Okay? There was, there was this hidden agenda and this hidden um, alignment that was going on in the house of God. Okay? So one of the things that's being cleansed from the church right now in this time is hidden things. That which is hidden will be made known, okay? That's not, a th- that's not a scary thing when you know the mercy of God. It's, it's the mercy of God, it's the kindness of God that calls us into repentance because until hidden things are brought to the light, then we can't be free, okay? So the time and, and what hidden things do is they promote a culture where there's a lack of accountability in the church, Okay? So the time of the superstar individual who is above question and has no accountability is fading. Okay? Because we were meant to be a family. 
okay? When the house of God is a family where we submit to one another and we're accountable to one another, then purity thrives in that culture. Okay? Because it, it, in that culture, it's a safe place for the hidden things to be brought into the light and for there to be forgiveness and for those things to be removed. Okay? Does that make sense? This is a time for the rise of the house of Yahweh. Okay? The house of the Lord is rising. And it doesn't mean that individuals won't also rise. But when individuals rise, they will rise with family. They will be rooted in a family. And not just, not, it, they will be rooted in the family of God. And not outside of it. Okay? You guys okay? All right? That's a good word. <laughs> uh, number three. Y'all ready for number three? <laughs> a lack of strength or what makes me feel the best. The glory of God is purifying our strength of character. The glory of God is purifying our strength of character. He's restoring us to a standard of holiness where we know his voice. So that when deceptive voices come in, they can't cause us to sway in whichever direction we're feeling or makes us feel the best. Okay? Um, the, the church is, uh, there's, there's a portion of the church right now that's, that's really deceived. And they're really deceived because they have allowed the voices of the world to come in and mix with the voice of the Lord to define compassion. Okay? <laughs> and it's a compassion that doesn't have the strength of character that it takes to lay down your life for the freedom of another person. Okay? <laughs> Do I, are you guys okay? <laughs> okay. The, the, that kind of compassion that, that comes from this strength of character is the compassion of Jesus. Okay? And it says that I, um, it says that I will let the holiness of God fuel the strength of my character. I will let the holiness of God fueled the strength of my character toward compassion. Okay? The kind of compassion that has the strength to lay down our lives for the sake of freedom. It says, I will not let this person or this group of people settle for less than full freedom. Because that's what Jesus died to give them. It says, I will not partner with weak sympathy and call it compassion. Okay? Are you guys okay? The, the, the true compassion of Jesus flows from God's holiness, from his desire to see that we all rise to the level of the glory of God, that we all live in the freedom that he sees um, and, and wants us to live in. Okay? This kind of strength of character says, I know the value of an encounter with God. 
So I will steward that encounter with God by not diminishing the holiness in me with compromises of what makes me feel good. It's not about what, I, what makes us feel good. It's about what's best for that person. Okay? All right? That's compassion. You guys okay? That's when, the glory, that's when you know the glory of God is here. And number four, self-promotion or that which makes me look the best to others. This is the kind of self-promotion that leads to, to, to um, competition in the church where we can't celebrate one another or bless one another, okay? And there's nothing more powerful than an encounter with the holiness of God to bring us to true humility, <laughs> Okay? Um, the, glory, the glory of God is moving the church to move from thinking about what makes us look good to thinking about what makes him look good. Okay? The glory of God is moving the church to stop thinking about what makes us look good and think, <laughs> whew, how many times have we seen that in the past year? Well, we got to look good to the people. We got to look like this. It's going to move from making us look good to what makes him look good. That's the glory of God. Churches that are allowing the glory of God to purify and inhabit them will be marked by true humility. And it's not the self-promoting kind of humility, the kind of humility that says, hey, look how humble I'm being. It's the true kind of humility that knows the value of the holiness of God and knows the value of the purity of God and knows the value of how to represent his character on the earth because that's what people need. They need an encounter with the glory of God. Okay? You guys okay? Number two. That was number two. Increase in purity. Number three. Increase in maturity. <laughs> the last eight chapters of Ezekiel are a vision of the return of the glory of God to the house of God. After he had cleansed and restored, he returned. And in that vision, the temple and the city and everything around it, it got elevated. It was built higher, it was built bigger, and it was restored everything better than it was. The maturity of the whole nation was elevated. Not just one person or a group of people, but the whole nation was elevated. The whole people were elevated, okay? So, after everything got restored, there was a river that flowed from the temple, increasing as it went. And everywhere the river flowed, there was life. Okay? It even, even said it flowed into the Dead Sea, and it brought it back to life. And there were all kinds of trees on the, on the banks where there was fruit, and the leaves were for healing. And it was just, God was giving them this picture of this is what it looks like when you let the glory of God come and purify and move in 
and, and make, make it look like his glory. This is how awesome it looks like. And he was giving them this picture, this promise, while they were in the middle of their cleansing process. While they were still in captivity, while they had questions, while they had regrets, while they had doubts, while they just, some of them still just didn't know what to believe. And God says, I'm going to show you what it looks like if you will let my glory come in and purify and cleanse and restore and, and settle in. Okay? All right? So... When the church is experiencing this this glory of of God, it will it will look like maturity. It will look like not just supernatural events, but supernatural people who carry the glory of God. And as they leave the temple, it just increases and increases and increases everywhere it goes. Because it's about the maturity of the house and not just a few people. And not just supernatural events where people have to come here, come to this event, come to this event, come to this conference, you'll encounter the Lord. What if we are the encounter? Okay, the maturity of the house. All right, you guys can stand up. Uh, I'm going to read this. Pops, you can start that. I'm going to read this scripture because we're here in this place and we've been experiencing these things and we're, we've, we've seen them. We're encountering it. We want more. Um, we're sitting here at the east gate of the temple. I mean, of the temple, <laughs> of the city. <laughs> We're at the east gate of the city. <laughs> um, and the glory of God always comes from the east. And I'm not saying that to say, like, it's, it's got to come through us, but why not us? Why not be a people that say, we want it to be us? We want to be people that carry the, the, the glory of God and, and to be people that aren't afraid to let the glory of God come in and purify and restore a standard of holiness and a strength of character and, and an ability to see like he sees and to grow up as a body of believers and carry uh, the glory of God out into the world. So I'm just going to read this, and then I just, I just want us to just take some time and just continue to invite the glory of the Lord to come and inhabit, to come and inhabit us as a house. This is Ezekiel 43, starting in verse one. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of God. Coming from the east, his voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory.
ask him to increase your ability to see. To increase your hunger for his presence, to increase your hunger for his holiness. Increase your hunger for the family, for the house of God to rise and represent the true character of God on the earth. To be that encounter that brings life wherever you go. These are the days of the glory of the Lord and he's doing it whether we want him to or not, he's doing it. The earth is responding to the glory of the Lord because the glory of the Lord is moving throughout the earth. He's cleansing, he's bringing it, whether we want him to or not, because he's holy, because he's holy. So why not yield? Why not be a part of it? Why not be first in line to say, I wanna be first. I wanna be first. I don't wanna be last. I want to be first in line to say, do it here. Do it in me. Do it in us. time. 